0: Hello, this is Paul Shepherd, and welcome to the Mindset Changing Podcast. Today, we are discussing the lies that anxiety can trick you into believing are totally true. I fell for loads of these. Have you? Anxiety took the form of Pinocchio. I wonder how big that nose would grow. Anxiety lies a lot. And it does that because it believes it's keeping us safe. But what from? I mean, it's perfect if we are ever in imminent danger. But most of the risks we face are emotional risks. Embarrassment, shame, rejection from failure. And experiencing those emotions can feel so painful We will do anything we can not to experience them again. But that's not helpful for a life as socially complex as ours. And if we want to get ahead in life and have a happier life, we need to develop tools and strategies to work with our emotions and also filter out the unhelpful lies That anxiety is using to keep us in that comfort zone which can turn out to be a prison. Sure it feels safe for now but how long is it before your mental health deteriorates and you begin to wonder what's outside the cage door. Avoidance is our greatest enemy and anxiety isn't always very obvious with the way it lies. It can be very crafty, very subtle, very sneaky. Real anxiety is fantastic at keeping us alive, but fake anxiety tries to keep you safe from fake danger using the power of your imagination. So it's important to understand that none of your thoughts are real. They are creations from your imagination. They are not reality And they are not reflective of you. They are just thoughts. And it is you that can give them attention and meaning. And then create reactions and be proactive. And it is also you that can just let them pass on by. Think of a beautiful blue sky.
1: And you notice a small
0: white Fluffy cloud. Now if you try to ignore the cloud. Your reticular activating system. Your filter. Which creates your own personal TV channel. Of reality. Has just heard. That that cloud must be very important. So what you try to ignore. It will draw your attention to. That's its job. So you'll notice the cloud more often. So the cloud begins to change. To a slight grey. And if you don't want to see the cloud. You've just told. Your reticular activating system. That this cloud must be super important. So your attention is drawn. Even closer. To that cloud repeatedly. Making that cloud
1: even darker. And if you judge
0: yourself for noticing that cloud. Fight yourself for noticing that cloud. Criticize yourself for noticing that cloud. Hate the cloud. Do anything you can to distract yourself from seeing the cloud. The cloud will become darker.
1: And if you give the cloud meaning, a strong emotional reaction, it starts to become the perfect storm. And with mindfulness, we can...
0: Be aware that the cloud is appearing. We can't stop the cloud appearing. It's appeared. We can accept the cloud is there. And we can gently move our attention onto something more important. Because the cloud isn't important at all. Now, it is not your fault that you believe these lies at times. Your limbic system, when it hijacks you, pushes away and reduces contact with the wise, rational, logical part of you that would be able to explore the lie and uncover the truth. So it becomes really difficult when we have a limbic system hijack to rationalize and filter what we're thinking. But I hope it's not lost. What I would say is hijack it back. Remember, you can do that by triggering the parasympathetic nervous system, which is done through the breath. So when you start taking a nice big deep breath down to the diaphragm and breathing out longer than you breathe in, you are hijacking your nervous system back and your rational brain can begin to take back over. And that is the power you have when it comes to your anxiety. And clients tell me all the time how useful it is to use breathwork to gain back perspective. I think the most common lie, an anxiety sufferer can begin to entertain and really worry about. And it's something I really struggled with too, because I could not see a way out of my anxiety experience is the lie that your anxiety will not heal and you're going to suffer like this for the rest of your life. Let me be very clear. If you work with your mind and body and address your psychological and emotional needs, you can heal your anxiety. And it would take, in my view, a holistic practitioner to do that. The fact that you're listening to this podcast shows there's a part of you, if you've fallen for that lie, that knows you can heal. And it's about allowing that part of you to become more dominant and explore what would help you begin to reduce your anxiety symptoms and allow your body to heal. I was talking to a client this week who was being very derogatory to themselves about their weight. And I asked, what's the intention behind the part of you that keeps putting you down? And they said, well, I can't accept the way I look. So doesn't it make sense that by being nasty to myself about my weight, it will motivate me into losing weight? And I asked how that was going. It wasn't going very well because they were caught up in a cycle of suddenly saying, enough's enough, I'm really fat, I'm disgusting, I'm this, I'm that. And then they would push themselves in an all-or-nothing approach to diet, they'll cut out all sugar, all junk food, everything, exercise to the extreme to try and lose weight, and then at some point in time, their energy would begin to peter out and they would find themselves just pressing that fuck it button and binge eating, stopping the exercise and just hating themselves for getting caught up in this repetitive cycle. So the lie is that you can only change your life if you're doing it from pain and resistance. So people trying to change their lives by being miserable might create some change but it doesn't seem to be long-lasting. And the paradox is is that they are trying to avoid misery in the future by making themselves miserable now. How does that make sense? Line number three. I think most of you are going to be able to relate to this. It's something that Every client, pretty much, when they've come to me, has had this as part of why they're here. And it's the lie that there's something wrong with them, that there's something wrong with you as a person, and that somehow you're inadequate, you are not good enough. And when you compare yourself with other people, you do it in a way which shows them in a positive light and you in the dark. And the thing is about this is that our reticular activating system, our filter, our subconscious, our ego, will do everything to show us a reality where that is true. We'll be drawn to people and situations which remind us that we are not good enough. It's all a load of bullshit, my technical term, Because we are comparing ourselves unfairly. There is no way you can compare yourself with another person that would be fair and equal. They are different people, different genetics, different life circumstances, plus we really don't know what's going on for them inside their own minds, no matter what they're portraying to us. And yet we create this fantasy that they're really happy, they're really wealthy, they have the lifestyle that we would dream of having. And anxiety tries to use the pain from that to try and motivate us forward. So creating a life from resistance and pain. As I said earlier, that doesn't tend to work very well.
1: I would say to you,
0: and I know you might not believe me right now, but you're good enough. There is no person on the planet who is worth more or less than you. We're just mammals on a spinning ball of rock in outer space. Pretty dangerous ball of rock, to be fair, at times. But we've got this far, and our job is to survive until the end of the day. But obviously... We've added in the mix that we want to do that with more quality and there's nothing wrong with that, but we need to get a healthy perspective of what that really means for us. What does success really mean for us? Is it going to be focused on materialism, status, validation, or would it come back to a feeling of contentment, happiness, peace, joy, or something else? And as I show in some of my meditations, if you bring yourself back to the present moment and allow yourself to be fully present, guess what you get to experience right now. You can be free of your problems because they are based on thoughts, and if you're in the present moment, it's not much to think about. You just hinder here and now. And you might feel content and you might feel peaceful just by bringing your attention to the present
1: moment. You're a success.
0: And it's from this place of peace and of contentment that we can access in this moment, that we can create from. And if we're creating from a place of contentment, of success, guess what your reticular activating system and subconscious mind and ego are going to do Because all they've heard is that this is important. So they will filter in experiences. You'll be drawn to people and situations which prove you are a success. That you have contentment. And that you have peace. Now of course we all have circumstances which are going to create the ups and downs in life. But at any moment we can step back. And allow ourselves just a few moments of peace. And it's from here we can create amazing changes in our life from. The alternative is to try and
1: create a life from resistance. Ouch.
0: If you've got social anxiety, like I used to experience, this is a classic. And that's other people think you're not as good as them. And you should not harangue with them or even have friends. What a crafty way for anxiety to keep you isolated and free from emotional risks. Avoidance will be your greatest enemy there. There are people out there you can have very healthy connections with. It's just your job to find them. And you can do that by learning to flex your social muscles and also work. To change that belief within yourself that you're not good enough. Because of course you are. How many of you class yourselves as control freaks? Well, here's the lie. The lie is that you have to control everything as much as you can. So you get to stay safe. And we tend to learn that sort of belief from childhood. So if we people please if we do everything we can to try and anticipate where mum and dad might be mad at us or anyone else, if we can just keep placating people, then we get to stay safe. And also at the same time, what we're saying is, is that if we have to control everything, it might be because we don't think we could handle what might be coming our way, if it's a negative. And learning to trust yourself, that you are an incredibly resourceful and adaptable person. And when you begin to know that that is true, it is. I mean, I can, I'm not here to prove it to you, but this is how you've been managing life anyway. You've adapted to every situation that's come your way. But if you really know it at your core that you can handle, no matter what comes your way, you can be more present and not so focused on an imaginary future. That your anxiety is creating to try to protect you. And you can begin to go more into the flow. It's the same with perfection. That you have to be and do things perfectly. Or it's not worth doing at all. And again, this is something that we can learn as a child. That doing something wrong may displease our parents or teacher. Or any other adults around us. And it can lead to feelings of embarrassment and shame. So to stay safe, we can fall into perfection mode. But unfortunately, that's incredibly toxic. And we have to learn that, well, failure is feedback. But it's so important in regards to helping us grow. And if we develop that as a value, we can relax a little with the way that we perceive our futures. I mentioned people-pleasing a little earlier, but I just wanted to add that the lie anxiety tells you is that you will be safer emotionally if you people-please. You won't. It's a very toxic behaviour, and it does make a liar out of anyone doing it. Also, people can sense that you are not yourself. And that will create a barrier between you and them. If you find it hard to connect to people and you're in people-pleasing mode, it might be worth reassessing, are you in danger by just being yourself with this person? Do you need to people-please them? Do you need to manage their emotions so that you stay safe? If they are the type of person you do have to do that with, then that is a toxic relationship that you would need to reassess whether you need to be around that or not. If I was working with a client who had people-pleasing tendencies, I would explore with them using transaction analysis, uh, going back to the child ego state, and how it thinks it has to stay safe by people-pleasing and helping that child realize that it can grow up to be the adult and have better resources in managing their relationship with themselves and other people. Does anxiety ever convince you you know what other people are thinking? Now statistically, we might get that right at times. But in reality, we really don't know what other people are thinking. But anxiety can trick us into creating assumptions that we do know what's going on in the other person's mind. And sometimes we just got to remind ourselves that we don't know, no matter how it feels, no matter how that other person is behaving, we've no idea what's going on in our heads or where they're coming from. Remember that we all have our own perceptions of reality and we can't imprint onto other people our version of events. Because we have to be aware that we could be getting it badly wrong. And we know that anxiety at times likes to jump to that worst case scenario. That twinge isn't just a twinge. It's if you Google it, which is what anxiety will tell you to do. Yet yeah, Google that twinge. It's cancer. Of course it is, according to anxiety. And as one person was telling me recently... Uh, They had a similar experience, and in their head, they went through a very elaborate fantasy of having to tell everyone they've got cancer, the music, what type of music they're going to have played at their funeral, who would they be leaving everything to. And that created quite a strong level of toxic chemistry within themselves. They were starting to panic about their funeral arrangements, From a twinge. And when they're talking about it, they're saying, I can't believe how ridiculous it sounds when I'm saying it to you. And that's why it's quite good at times to vocalize out loud the lie that anxiety is catching you up in, so that you can hear it. And it might give you a bit of distance between yourself and the lie, so that you can begin to use that amazing mind of yours to begin the realization that actually what you're thinking isn't likely to be true and that's the other lie anxiety does it takes a catastrophic situation that is so unlikely to happen and increases those chances in your mind it's like buying a lottery ticket and thinking i'm gonna win when it literally is one in, I'm not sure of the actual stats, but it's one in millions, isn't it, to win the actual lottery. I'm not saying it's not possible. Of course it's possible. But the likelihood is very small. But if you're that determined to believe that that catastrophic event, which is very, very unlikely to happen, is going to happen, then you should buy yourself a lottery ticket anyway, because if you're that good at increasing the chances of something happening to you, then you might as well increase the chances of something happening to you that you would benefit from. And please give me a 10% cut, thank you. Only kidding, I meant 15. Everyone's judging you. Everyone is thinking about you and judging you. Well, that would be the spotlight effect. The spotlight effect is a psychological phenomenon that when we feel anxious, as part of the survival response, we begin to overfocus on the people around us and our surroundings. I remember this. I remember when I had my emetophobia, my uh, fear of being sick, my fear of travel. And if I managed to force myself onto a bus or a coach, those were my worst nightmares. The smell of a coach still haunts me to this very day. But being on a coach, I remember the way that my brain would focus on how everyone would be looking at me. They could see that I was anxious. They could see that I was sweating. They could see that I was swigging water every two seconds because my mouth was so dry. They will be judging me. And the reality is, no one's interested. And my favourite phrase to use, and excuse my language, is and this helped me quite a lot. Is I'm not that fucking important. No one's interested. Yeah. So when you place yourself in a situation where you think everyone's judging you, just say that to yourself. You don't have to say what I say, but you can just remind yourself that you're not that important. No one can be bothered. They're all busy dealing with their own shit inside their heads. And if someone is paying you attention, we really don't know what their version of reality is, so we've no idea how they're judging you. And in fact, it's none of your business. And again, that spotlight effect is very, very good at creating those fake comparisons I mentioned earlier. And we can think and be tricked into thinking that everyone else is okay and you're not. They all belong to a club of normality and somehow you have not got your membership card just yet. Totally not true. We've got no idea what's going on in our minds, so making it up is pretty useless. And remember, we can get caught up in overthinking like this because it can distract us from our real emotions and the real things we have to do in reality for our lives to grow. That's the clever aspect to all of anxiety's tricks, is that If it gets you over-focusing on your thoughts or going into avoidance mode, you get to hold your life back by staying inside your comfort zone prison. Ships in harbours are safe ships, but that's not what ships were built for. Phew, I got that right. This time, finally. Took a few goes of me recording that. For some reason, my mouth turned it into a tongue twister and uh, it stumbled a little bit. Um, But my point is this. When I heard that saying, it really struck a chord with me. Because one of my core values is adventure. I love an adventure, doing something new, doing something different, a challenge. Because it helps me grow. Plus, I find it exciting. So I don't want to be a ship stuck in a harbour. And that's what anxiety and its lies can do. I did that for a long time. Long time I refused to travel because of my travel phobia and became quite jealous of other people traveling the world, having wonderful experiences. Whilst I didn't go anywhere, I stayed at home and I tried to change my life from a place of resistance, that didn't go so well. But when I began to create my life from a place of acceptance of peace. That's when the real magic began to happen. And it's still happening, by the way. I'm surprised at the things that seem to come my way. Some people call it the law of attraction. Actually, I'm going to mention that in a minute. That was a terrible thinking pattern I got caught up in. But it does look magical in your life when you're in the flow, coming from a place of peace, your amazing subconscious mind can help you notice things that you never noticed before when you're focusing on what you want, what you want to experience, what you want to create. And that's very different to having the same experience when you're focusing on creating your life from a place of anxiety and resistance, trying to move away from things. Remember, your filter will keep showing you what's important, it doesn't know the difference between negative and positive. It just knows that what you're focusing on must be important. So therefore, it would draw people and situations to you that represent what you are focusing on. So when I mentioned the law of attraction earlier, kind of was really interested in that and how apparently what you thought created a vibration and therefore it vibrated that into the universe and came back to you bringing things into your life. And I was dazzled by quantum science and its misuse. I didn't know it's misuse, so I just believed it to be true. It sounded good. And I think a part of me wanted that magic bullet too and to have more control over my life than I did. So the law of attraction kind of fits that bill very nicely. It just says what you choose to think, what you think, will create your reality. But for a person with anxiety... It doesn't bode so well, because in reality, we think some weird shit, literally weird stuff. And I'm very grateful that that law of attraction was not true. Not the way I thought about it anyway. Because imagine if what I was thinking came into my reality. The world would be a very crazy place for me. So I'm very grateful to have realized a long time ago, that thoughts are just thoughts, that is the truth. But what we believe and what we pay attention to creates the filters in our mind. And yes, we can experience coincidences, synchronicities, things that seem magical. That happens quite a lot. And while it might be the universe, I can't say for certain, can I? But I suspect it's more to do with our subconscious mind bringing our attention to things we simply didn't notice before. But if it is a universe, and it is a higher power, whatever that is, then just know that your thoughts do not create your reality. Your thoughts are just thoughts. What you focus on, what you believe, will create behaviours and create your filters. There's a huge difference. If you want me to go into this more in the future, please send me a message. One of the things that do pop up now and then, because people do say, what about the law of attraction? What about my thoughts? Don't they create things? And if you believe that they do, then having negative thoughts is going to feel terrible for you. And I remember as part of the positive thinking movement, which was in full swing as I was growing up, I became terrified of my negative thoughts. I thought that they made me a bad person And I also began to think that they were creating my reality. No, they weren't. That's not the case at all. What we resist persists. So trying not to have negative thoughts, trying to distract yourself from them, fight them, judge them, criticise them, just makes them stronger. And according to the law of attraction, or elements of it, that wasn't going to be helpful for you, which was total bullshit. So to make it clear, Negative thoughts do not create your reality. What you focus on, what you give meaning to, what you give attention to, can begin to change your filters in how you see reality and what you begin to notice. That's a big difference. And brilliantly, you have the ability to change your filters. You're going to still have negative thoughts. We all are. It happens to us. But we can learn to begin to devalue them and not pay them much attention. And remember that not all negative thoughts are bad. If they're part of real anxiety, real fear, then they're going to be useful and they're going to help you improve your quality of life and maybe keep you alive. So don't fear your negative thoughts. Use your wonderful mind to learn to create filters On which ones to pay attention to and which ones to let go. And lastly, just a few more. The lie that anxiety is all your own fault. Just going to point out simply, it's not. That you are weak for struggling with anxiety. Gotta be kidding me, right? It takes a lot of strength to manage anxiety on a day to day basis, to get out of bed despite that feeling in your gut. Pointing at the day, saying it's going to be really terrible. And yet you get up and still
1: do it anyway. It also
0: takes a lot to come to someone like me and open up and be vulnerable about what's going on in your mind. What's going on in your life. So that we can look at what needs to change. So that we can help you heal. And not many people do that because we have this perception That only weak people
1: go to therapy and coaches. Which I think
0: is a very clever lie. I think comes from the toxic masculinity culture where we should just pull our socks up, just get on with it, sort yourself out and everything will be okay. That's toxic masculinity at its finest. And something thankfully is beginning to change. And also I'm beginning to see much more in the way of men as clients who are taking those brave steps to just open up and start to work on things because they deserve to have a better life. And just to add to that, anxiety can trick us into thinking that we can heal this all by ourselves and that we don't need help from professionals or other people. And whilst that can be the case, some people do heal themselves and, and that's great. But there is nothing wrong with reaching out and asking for help. I mean, we're happy to have a personal trainer show us the ropes in the gym or in a class because we don't know what to do. But somehow we are expected to know exactly what to do with our minds, the tools, the strategies to sort ourselves out. And again, I admire anyone who takes that step to learn the tools, to train their mind to take their lives to where they want it to be. So there we go. I think that's the most common lies that anxiety tells. I'm sure there's more. But if you have any that you'd like me to feature at some point in the future, then send them across. I want to say thank you to you and to everyone who's been supporting me on Instagram, on TikTok, on Facebook, and listening to me here. Keep up with the comments. Keep up with the feedback. It's really appreciated because it helps me work out what I want to do next. Please share. Please subscribe. Please leave a review. That would be most appreciated. And I look forward to connecting with you in the next podcast. Have an
1: amazing day.